for February 4th, 2013. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 240. The amateurs will be out. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. From the left coast of America, where it's three hours earlier than it is for the other podcasters, I'm Matthew Rather, and I mention that because we waited until after the Super Bowl. Super Bowl XLVII uh, to record this, and this is our traditional uh, annual Super Bowl commercial podcast, so let's get, uh, let's get right into it. Panel, your question. No, 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 is- Matt, Matt. I think we should take a thirty-minute break. You know, <laughs> to fix the, like the half of the lights that are off because it's too dark to do the podcast. Right, mm-hmm. it's too dark. I'm sorry, I can't. Yeah, I can't get out there and, and do this podcast. Too dark. Yeah, the um, my favorite tweet from uh, on the on our Twitter, and if you don't follow us, you can follow us at, at overthinking it. Uh, was Pete who said this is just like the ice bowl, except play entirely stopped due to a minor inconvenience. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just the same as that panel. Your question: favorite and least favorite Super Bowl ad. First in the alphabet, drink. Uh, <laughs> I'll, bet, I'll bet you've been drinking already tonight. Uh, it's Peter Fenzel. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's, all, it's all right. All right. My favorite ad of the night was surprisingly simple and straightforward. The ad that I love the most was the Eminem commercial where they sang Meatloaf. (laughs) (laughs) Is it it Uh, just because it uh, proved that Meatloaf is still relevant in this day and age? Oh, yeah. I know Meatloaf is relevant. I I mean, it sort of speaks... He might be subaltern, but he's certainly relevant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, he's still around. Uh, I just... I loved the dynamic of... I love that that I could do anything for love, but I won't do that was really clear. And the thing that you won't do is allow yourself to be physically eaten by the other person, (laughs) which is like a pretty strong statement. Uh, and I think a, a preference we would all share. I think uh, you can do anything except like cannibalize me is pretty much the uh, a good boundary. Yeah, and I felt like it was a good heightening. It was like it wasn't stratospherically higher than other Eminem commercials, but it felt special, uh, and so I liked it. That was my favorite. Right, you got a least and, favorite. And my, my least favorite was the freaking Dodge commercial about the farmers. Yeah. Hmm. And, and I'll say this because if that commercial had ended the way I expected it to, which was like. The Farmers of America. Visit us at Farmers.com, right? Or something. I mean, Farmers.com is probably some insurance company or something. Yeah, but so. um, but uh, because but it, it really read like a – like why what was happening, we were all talking about how it looked like a lobbying effort by like like uh, agribusiness to hold on to their farm subsidies during like fiscal austerity negotiations. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, farmers are so awesome and they should really get more subsidies was really what the commercial said to me. And then the fact that it was about a cost. Car. And then the fact that it was about a cruddy, not a cruddy car, but like a Dodge, you know, like not a car that has a strong brand association with this thing. Like, like it's like if you want to associate your brand with an image, there has to be some sort of hook in the image and the brand that kind of makes it plausible. And for me, that didn't feel plausible. Um, and also the commercial was so long. Like it felt like it went on forever. Yeah, it was like two and minutes. Really, yeah. So that I really – I mean the whole room was – booing as soon as the dodge came up because you're all expecting it to be some sort of cynical lobbying commercial but when we found out that it was just for a truck 
Although I did hear one of our readers uh, tweeted at us that he saw it in a room full of farmers and he they made him watch it twice. <laughs> they loved it so much. So I suppose if their goal is to sell trucks to farmers, uh, they're doing a good job. But for everybody else, I found it a bit of a nonplus. Well, it sounded like it sounded like uh, found audio. Right, that it was. Um, yeah, they were they were nonplussed both in both senses, in the in the literal sense of being surprised by the ad, and also in the in the kind of metaphorical sense that everyone thinks nonplussed means that it was not a plus, that it yeah. you know, it, it was a minus when yeah, the yeah. Uh, the Ram logo came up because that was not an actual historical speech, right? They just made it sound that way. Oh well, yeah, I was wondering about that. Is that found audio yeah. because it started with uh, with the title card that had the name of someone on it, and I was wondering. Wondering if that oh. was it. Oh, maybe. Paul Harvey is uh, a, a radio personality. I was about to say old timey, but um, I, I listened to him when I was probably in middle school. I'm not sure if he's still around or relevant. I think he did like, maybe like some sort of CBS news spot or something like that. Oh, um, okay. so this could have been found audio from that. So he was a commentator and did yeah. and did these. Okay, that makes sense. Hey, that's Mark Lee. Mark, favorite and least favorite Super Bowl ad. Okay, overall, uh, not so. Uh, happy with this crop of advertisements. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had to choose a favorite one, um, I would say let's go with Fast and Furious Six. Woo-hoo! Um, Fair enough, because it uh, it 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 really captured the the the, the American spirit, which is to say that uh, you know if if it said that if somebody tells you that you can't crash an airplane with a car, we don't just you know accept that that can't be done. We crash that airplane with a car. Right. Uh, it looks spectacular. Um, you know, big muscles are in it. You know that belong to folks like Vin Diesel and The Rock, I believe. Um, I haven't seen any Fast or Furious and or Furious movies to this point, but um, you know, if given the opportunity to see a Fast and Furious movie, I might see this because I saw a car crash a plane, and that makes me believe in America. <laughs> um, least favorite? Uh, there's a lot to choose from. Uh, the GoDaddy one probably wouldn't just because that's what we expect from low dad low daddy go daddy the bar is so low with them uh the audi commercial was pretty horrendous as well and it's insinuation that uh, uh you know uh, having a luxury car gives you the license to sexually assault uh women at we can prom. talk about that in a bit if you want Wait, let's yeah. talk about that in a moment but if i had to single out one for being the worst it had to be uh, sigh showing for pistachios. Oh, you didn't like that? I love that commercial. <laughs> racken, I love pistachios. Rackin Gangnam style. <laughs> no, I love that. I mean, I know I tweeted that. Uh, <laughs> I tweeted that. I bet the meeting to decide it took like ten minutes. I mean, I didn't. It clearly took well, like six weeks. But like, it like felt see, like the meeting had a took bit of, ten we had minutes. A bit of Twitter jinx there. I, we, I think we posted something very much along the same lines. Um, yeah. Well, I think my take was a little bit different. I was like, you know, to to have been in that meeting, I like, I want to see, like, I wanted to see the moment where some ad guy pitched. What about we get Psy and he does Kraken Gangnam style, and and I'm I'm wondering, like, how was he not like groaned and booed out of the room? I want want to know whether (laughs) I want to know whether the choice was between. A Super Bowl commercial where Psy is dancing with a dancing pistachio chorus. Whether the choice was between that and like a different Super Bowl commercial, or between that and like a series of truck stop billboards, right? If he just went in there and he's like, so either we could put up a bunch of out of home advertising along I eighty, or you can have a Super Bowl commercial with a Korean pop star dancing with a bunch of dancing. <laughs> Like, well, if you put it that way, uh, <laughs> I love that commercial because I love pistachios. I think pistachios are awesome. And I was glad that they that their marketing department had a magnum opus. Uh, they really hang their hat on. 
<laughs> Do you feel like the being associated with pistachios diminishes Psy, Mark? Do you yes, like pistachios? Let me ask right now. Or do you like pistachio nuts? I, um, here's okay. I, I like pistachio nuts, but not so much that uh, I'm going to go through the effort of cracking all of them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see. One of those people. Yeah. I'm not going, you know, I'm a very much a path of least resistance kind of guy. Okay, okay. So, like, Which so is you... why I'm on this podcast. Huh? No, it doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Fair enough. I wonder whether your fondness for the commercial is, for people's fondness for the commercial is more related to their fondness for pistachios and less related to their fondness for Psy, I suspect. I mean, he's I, like the... I, I like pistachios. There are nuts I like better than pistachios, you know. Like, like name a few. <laughs> well, cashews. For one, hey, they're great. I love cashews. <laughs> I mean, pecans, you know, I think that's a fine you know, nut. Pronounce like pecans, snack. Matt. Pecans. Okay, hey, which, which pop star should be dancing with the dancing pecans? <laughs> pecans. I'm thinking, we got what, like uh, Kelly Clarkson? No. Can it be Jenna Maroney? Dan Krakowski? <laughs> can it be a, a cross promotion with Fruit Loops so that it's pecan, toucan, Sam? Yes. Yes. Let's yes. Do that. All right. I'm a. Uh, I'm a do mine. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna upset the whole thing. It, it was horrifying, but my favorite it, because it's the one that just stood out for me in terms of being uh, just an outrageous statement of something was uh, Bar Raffaelli making out with Jesse Hyman in the uh, in the GoDaddy commercial uh, in the the the. That geeky- was your favorite. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that yeah. was the lady and the boy, which who was making out there. Yeah, that was uh, uh, the supermodel and the the guy who is the nerdy looking extra in everything. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, that guy who's in every. I've seen like pictures of him on 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 the whole Imgur and whatnot. Of like, oh, he's an he's an extra in like a bazillion movies. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, that's him. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that guy. I mean, at least it it if it's not, they found a. I mean, if that guy's quote is too high. <laughs> right, and someone is uh, someone is making a lot of money as the the less expensive version of um, of uh, Jesse Hyman, which is what that actor's name is. Uh, yes, and I I like it for I like it for audacity. Right, it didn't seem it seemed like it was a year though there was there was a lot of stuff done on a large scale. It was a year um, without audacity. And, but and for me, my least favorite was the the Jeep commercial about supporting our troops because it just uh, it was the absolute oh it was just the absolute worst it was just the most cynical you know it was this I mean and it's not that like I wasn't sort of stirred you know it was like button pushing and my my button was button <laughs> my one button my one like <laughs> sentimental button about you know American service members was pushed. Uh, by this and sort of highlighting their sacrifice and the you know sacrifice of their families at home and things like this and then to slap a logo on the end of that I think is just it's just the sort of the worst uh, as far as brand advertising right like associating yourself like a Coke manages to associate themselves with Americana without I don't know descending to that level of of crassness though I suppose the the race between the 
what were they showgirls and cowboys and things that that was that was i don't think there's ever been a contest that i cared less about the outcome of than that contest (laughs) (laughs) like seriously i know it was well i'll tell you it was priscilla queen of the desert is what it was yeah uh it was priscilla queen of the desert and mad max people and then a bunch of i hope it was hidalgo specifically (laughs) but if they'd actually show gotten vigo mortensen to ride hidalgo in it then it would have been my favorite but (laughs) sadly they did not they did not get omar sharif either to be in it which is another travesty so we have a lot to we have a lot to talk about i think that we want to talk about you know wolves right because they they were all over it this year uh we can talk about the animal ads we can talk about our perennial topic which is bad things happen to you when you lose uh when you use our product but the um the i I think that first we have to turn to pete fenzel because pete you're the great narrativizer of every year's (laughs) i've been told that this is what i do yeah Yeah. every every year's super bowl you've you've suggested a master narrative and tied it into larger uh social and political movements uh in the country and economic movements in the country and the world um won the crisis of masculinity you'll remember with with justin timberlake taking nut shot after nut shot um <laughs> you know then what we talked about last year uh with it's halftime in america was that last time or last yeah year? last year was that was last year it was halftime in so, america. so now it's what the third qu- quarter break in yeah. america Got this it. analogy doesn't really scale yeah, i hope not where we'd be uh let's just hope it's a, a timeout in the third yeah exactly but the um Sorry, what you said. I didn't quite process. It's very late when we're recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I'll tell you. Here's what I thought the theme was because I, I thought it was an thought it was an interesting year, and I felt it was a little bit less thematically uh, tense than some previous years. But I really felt like the theme across all of them was uh, our company wants you to be happy. Uh, right. And, and, I, and I felt like there were a lot of situations there were sort of self-conscious ads about showing you the audience things and kind of winking to you and trying to have you acknowledge that the company is trying to do something to make you happy. I mean, like the uh, the GoDaddy one is a great example, right. right, where it's like, like, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of shocking and disgusting, but it's also like, this is this cool thing that we want to show you, as opposed to the usual, not that there weren't, you know, good thing, bad things happen to people who, who use our product commercials, the biggest one being the stain. Right? right, where it's like uh, where the guy has the you know the the woman buys the tide right, and she washes the stain out of the guy's shirt, uh, which had made him famous. Um, but like, I mean, a lot of the good things that happened were kind of you know mixed good things or controversial good things, meant to be hooks. The Audi commercial is like that. The freaking astronaut commercial, which was so stupid, was like that. Um, the guy who worked at the Best Buy who had Amy Poehler hit on him, right? Like, there's a certain complexity there. Even the Paul Rudd and the uh, and the and the um, oh gosh, how am I? Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen commercial uh, with Bob Odenkirk. Like they have the usual, like oh we hate each other, and this is really ironic and awkward. But at the end of the day, it's like oh wow, Samsung has brought us together and wants us to be happy. And and I personally think that this is a reaction. And I mean, I'm throwing some of my own kind and of. And literally, like, sorry, I'm going to interject one more. Literally, yeah. with the Toyota Rav4 commercials that were that were about wish fulfillment, about this like you know purple purple woman who can uh, who can grant your wishes, right? Yeah, yeah. So like you know, in some past years, the commercials have tried to sympathize with your pains or like latched on to growing trends. I think the trend right now is that companies are worried that people are mad at them. Uh, and companies are trying to repair that relationship with people because they know that they have this idea that you know culture is fragmenting. Big companies have less mind share. Uh, big companies are kind of seen as villainous. The companies want to be seen as your friends, 
right? Um, and they want to be seen as something that, that makes you happy and helps you improve your life. Mm. I'll, um, I'll, take, I'll take that in a little slightly different direction. I, I seem to recall in years past that uh, Super Bowl commercials were really directly addressing economic insecurity and the financial crisis yeah, that yeah. we had. And I don't think uh, any of these commercials did. And if, if so, if, if it was, the theme was there, it was very much underplayed. Yeah. Um, to the extent that, like, you know, the, uh, the RAV4, it's, it's wish fulfillment, it's granting your wishes, but it's not, like, lifting you out of uh, poverty or hard times. Right. No. I mean, so to the to the point about half no longer half time in America, we've clearly moved past that, right? Well, it's it's saying move on. It's trying to get you to forget that you're angry. Yeah. Right. It's like you should move on because we're all moving on. We're all moving on, and we're going on journeys and meeting Stevie Wonder, and we're going to Oz, <laughs> and all these cool things are happening. These companies are helping you do, and you should forget about all the bad things that have happened to you that you are still angry about. That nothing is you know that's not they're not going to be redressed. You know, like you should. Well, forget well here's about another these one: the, the Jeep thing, right? Like the wars yeah. are. Over. Over, right, your co- troops are coming home. Yay! Yeah. yeah, are they? You know, like, are the wars really? I mean, that's not a conversation for this <laughs> podcast. But it's like, are, is it really that cut and dry? I mean, like, I gotta say, Cy with the pistachios is is the, one of the most cut and dry commercials. I mean, they didn't even get a monkey. You know, like, they didn't even get like. <laughs> like, I, I was joking before the podcast that I had a a bet going. <laughs> on whether there was going to be a monkey in the eBay commercial, and there was neither a monkey nor an eBay commercial. Right. The entire thing. Um, they like they really didn't want to take those. I don't say take those risks, but like they really didn't want to alienate people. They wanted to shock them a little bit, but they didn't want to alienate. Even the one where the guy was having sex with a goat was that one was happening. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't. I saw that commercial and I still have no idea what it was about. I yeah. think it was trying to sell me Doritos. <laughs> um, the goat. Yeah, the goat belongs to the to the larger category of bad things happen to you when you use our product. Um, which is like when you eat Doritos, a goat takes over your house. I guess, yeah. <laughs> but you still have a whole ton of Doritos and seem like a pretty happy guy. <laughs> you have all these Doritos. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, gosh, like, uh, like the well, here's a good one is the Volkswagen commercial. This was one of this is one of my favorites. I almost said this one was my favorite. I feel like this one was really interesting. The uh, the Volkswagen commercial where the guy talks like he's from Jamaica. Yes, because mm-hmm. he drives a Volkswagen because yes. he drives a German. He's a, he, a white American guy driving a German car yes. to his not just white, but from the land of ten thousand lakes, Eastern Minnesota, exactly. <laughs> um, and it's like, oh wow, this vo- being in this Volkswagen is so fun, you know, like um. Uh, just, just very straight down the middle. Like almost feels very, almost feels retro and dated, and it's like positivity um, about the product. And yeah, it's weird, and he becomes weird. But his boss is in the car with him, and everybody loves it, right? And it's like you don't get any sense. This is like a this is a guy going to his job. I mean, remember about the the huge vibe of people being unemployed being a real factor in Super Bowl commercials. This is like a professional white collar person going to their job. So the question is either like a commercial like that. Either you're marketing to the people who have jobs and you're saying like the people who are doing okay and you're like, you should buy our product because everything is fine and you're writing off all the people who don't have jobs because they don't have money to buy your cars anymore. Or you're, uh, you're, you're marketing the people who don't have money to buy your cars anymore, but you're trying to convince them that they do have it. Right, like you're trying to convince them once they've deleveraged to releverage. You know, you're trying to convince them to act more positively, even if their circumstances haven't improved. Right. I don't know. That's kind of a feel I have around some of these commercials. Well, and that's right, and that was true also of the Mercedes-Benz commercial, right, where Willem Dafoe is the devil, and he's going to offer you the Mercedes-Benz and like a life of luxury. And then the last part of the billboard goes up. It turns out it only costs thirty grand. You know, it's a steal for a Mercedes, and. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, and it's like, no, I got this. I'm, I'm cool. I can, you know, like I can afford, I I don't need Satan. I can buy a Mercedes, (laughs) (laughs) which is not usually the message of, it's not like Faust sign my bargain, you know, sign my bargain and you can be immortal and all this other for a thousand years and have your soul. And it's like, and you can date Helen of Troy or Helen of Troy will just go out with you. Yeah. Right. You know, that's not usually the, the alternative to, uh, that sort of thing. I feel like I could just walk up to Helen and Troy and plant one on her because uh, I got an Audi. <laughs> uh, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So, so in the commercial, the way it's depicted in the commercial, I don't dispute that it's assault, right? It's, it's clear. Like, he walks up to her when she isn't even looking and, like, and kisses her, like, real on hard. And she doesn't, he doesn't, like, grabs her. He kisses her really hard. And then he just sort of gets punched and leaves. The, the question is, like, well, what – the question I have when you were sort of impugning the commercial is like, what experience is that? Is that is that speaking to an experience that is an assault and just truncating it, you know, in a way? And and is the truncation really dangerous or because like you know maybe they, if if you if they knew each other if like the beginning of the commercial had shown the two of them like growing up together, right? I mean, all- there's a, there was a whole two hours of eighties teen comedy of like John Hughes movie leading up to that moment that we just didn't see. Right, it's in like the commercial. If Pretty in Pink ends. If Pretty in Pink, it's like she shows up at the dance, and then like Andrew McCarthy like immediately like throws her against a wall, and starts making out with her. Like that's dark, right? Like that's like really dark. But if Pretty in Pink has like the long buildup, it's not as bad. And so I'm not saying I defend the what happens, the events that are portrayed in the commercial, but I'm not that I'm not that offended by the story it's trying to tell because I sort of wanted to fill the blanks a little bit. I don't know. I mean, Mark, you were pretty offended by it, so I'd love to hear your take on it. Um, I was. I'm gonna say pretty offended. Maybe probably is putting it a little bit too harshly. I was I was definitely put off by it. Um, it, it, it it's it's tough to to explain exactly why. I, I I absolutely hear you in terms of like you know thinking that it's that there's more to it than what we see uh, depicted on screen. Um, it's just that it, it comes at a time in the broader political discourse where violence against women and women's lack of agency over their own bodies uh, is becoming is is very much in, in the news, right? I mean, the, the, the issue with the rapes in India being a particularly uh, heinous example of it. But um, the, the sort of the, the advocates who, who are talking about women's issues and these sorts of things are saying that these casual depictions in media are a real part of the problem. It's not, it's not just that they're not part of the solution. They are actively being a part of the problem. And, and, and we, we should be careful about writing them off as being these benign uh, depiction. So that's that. Uh, that I'm acknowledging that that's out there. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm not about to you know boycott Audi. Not that I'm in a position to boycott <laughs> boycott Audi, but um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna totally excuse this. Commercial. I am buying no Audis today. Yeah. I was gonna buy three. <laughs> probably buying yeah. Probably Audis. this whole year, I'm probably not gonna buy any Audis. Right. Well, I mean, the commercial that really stands out to me with what you're talking about and is totally legit is the Kia commercial with the robot ladies. Right. Right. Uh, which is called, if you look at the, the lists online, which is how, by the way, I experienced it because I have no cable. I watched the Super Bowl on the, uh, the CBS Sports feed, right, plugged it with a uh, TV cable plugged into my computer. And so we were, we were cutting over and – because they weren't showing all the commercials online. We were cutting over to the YouTube uh, – uh, we were cutting over to the YouTube page with all the commercials, and that commercial is called Hobots. No, 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 Hotbots. Nuh-uh. Yeah. What? It's called Hotbots, man. It's not called Hobots. <laughs> no, 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 I swear to God, I read it, and it said Hobots. Well, what? it's possible that they changed it, because it says Hotbots on YouTube right now. I'm oh, yeah. Oh, I had a whole point. I just read Hobots. it wrong. Okay, no, 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 guys, guys, guys. 
Let's pretend it's called Hobots. <laughs> okay. Like Flowbots? No, like, like Hobots, like they're prostitutes? Never mind. I'm just Like, like hobos that are robots. Arrested. I got it. Yeah, okay. they're like yes, transient yes. homeless people train riding robots. <laughs> Which is, I guess, the plot of iRobot to an extent. <laughs> Oh man, no, but that one. I mean, because that is that actually affirming? Because like that's like the guy is objectifying the car, and then he's objectifying the woman, and the woman like basically murders him. The robot woman punches him, and he goes flying into a wall, right, or something like that. Um, something that would kill a no- normal human. Uh, but it's like, are you saying that you ought not to objectify cars because they're like women, <laughs> or are you saying you ought not to? That's okay to objectify cars and not okay to objectify yeah, women. He, he treats um, objects like women, man. Because it said like respect the tech is the tagline, right? And the implication is like the same respect that you afford women because you don't want to objectify them because you're a good hipster boy in your cardigan. Uh, you know that that respect should be afforded to Kias as well because Kias are just as good as women. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm kind of stretching here, but it's like there's definitely something. They're like the conflation is kind of through the looking glass a little bit. Yeah, now that know? I've seen the T, it's really impossible to unsee. Yeah, well, that's what it says. So yeah. Yeah, apparently I misread you know, that for for about two hours now. So the root of originality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, – and they're, they're – I mean, and what? The hotbots? And why why must you respect the tech, right? It's not like respect the hobot because she's uh, – you know, I don't know what, because she's a, a, a being with intrinsic dignity. Just because she dances robo, that don't make her a ho-yo, all right? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, dancing robo, that was a great Roomba commercial. Was that not the best Roomba commercial you've ever seen? That was the best Roomba commercial. I missed the Roomba commercial. Oh, it was just a guy dancing the robot next to a Roomba. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to have been in that pitch meeting. Forget the size pistachio one. I wanted to be in that pitch meeting. It's like, okay, right. You don't, you don't, uh, you don't respect Maxine the hotbot because. Uh, you know, she has intrinsic dignity and worth. You respect her because she can kick your ass. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, and like, and what, the the Kia for the same reason, right? Like uh, the Kia can kick your ass. The Kia is going to like hurt you somehow, <laughs> like cause you to like roll over or like fly against, crash into a wall or something. That's not a message. <laughs> he is capable of doing all those things. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think you want that that message associated with your car. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a little bit of like sexy, sexy danger is just what a car commercial kind of wants, right? Like, it's this car is a little dangerous. It's got a little edge. Um, they want to be edgy. It's like you know what it's similar to is it's similar to the Burger King King commercials where the king is like this crazy, creepy, borderline autistic fellow who shows, <laughs> and he's not. You're not sure he understands human emotion. He does all these awkward things, but he seems really nice. But you're not sure because his facial expressions don't work. Like. That's that's kind of like how I would think about my car. <laughs> like it's sort of like that. I don't know. It seems that way. That sort of synth person. It's very ubu ra. You know, it's like uh, it's very it's very much like people are, are kind of automatons that are self destructive, and you're kind of uh, or or easily destructed. And it's funny when it happens. Right. I don't know. Um, Should we talk at all about the uh, about the halftime show? Yeah, sure. If you want, that was a great halftime. I show. thought it you was guys- a great halftime show. Also, I was, you know, watching Deadline, uh, Deadline dot com, and Nikki Fink said, you know, crappy things about it after it, and I thought, f you, Nikki Fink. The Beyonce was awesome. 
Yeah, she tore it up. What kind of crappy things did Nikki Fink say? I don't oh, that understand. it wasn't that it wasn't it didn't quite attain the level of maybe like high production value that um well, that uh you know Prince had. And I and and I agree that like it wasn't sort of as grandiose, right? The gestures weren't as large, they weren't as physically big, but it was all it was all screens, right? It was like the whole floor was a display, the the you know, tip up display behind her where you had the you yeah. know multi beyonces and things like this it was it was extremely high production value in the sense that but it it does like reflect this this move from a like an analog to a digital world from a, a kind of um uh from a what a large uh, what am I trying to say from like actually large edifices that are that are constructed right like you remember uh prince with the devil schlong he was behind a you know a 50 60 foot curtain right and there was nothing there was nothing that size there was nothing on that scale but it was you know extraordinarily uh well produced i thought and and um definitely like those you know those uh lcd floors don't come cheap yeah i mean but the prince show was was amazing i mean like (laughs) i don't know prince is a visionary and prince is a genius and i'm not saying beyonce's not a genius but i'm just saying that like her show wasn't ambitious in the same way that prince's show was ambitious i thought uh, and I mean, it's not it's not like a sheet is all that expensive, right? It's not like, oh, they really phoned it in by not having a sheet, right? Like, I mean, yeah, psychs are expensive. They cost a couple thousand dollars, but, they, you know, it was – I thought it was – oh, go ahead, Mark. What you You're saying this wasn't ambitious? I mean, like, I was kind of blown away by the sequences where, like, you know, there's video of her dancing as her own backup dancer plus live backup dancers as well. Like, the amount of coordination and timing and, and rehearsal and synchronization for that just, like, boggles the mind. Sure, yeah, it, was, totally. it, was, yeah. it was ambitious as a matter, as a matter of technique, uh, you know what I mean? But not necessarily as a matter of what large-scale artistic vision is. I think that's I what mean, you're saying. Yes, that's what I sort of meant. I meant in the sense of, like, a book that's kind of a little bit less fun, but, like, a better book <laughs> is a more ambitious book. You know, like the sense that um, that that Prince is trying to pack a whole lot of really complicated things into his halftime show. Uh, and, and Beyonce is trying to do some very specific things. There are some complicated things with, with Beyonce. And, of course, we can overthink them. Um, but I, be- I thought that there were fewer layers to Beyonce's halftime show than there were to Prince's. But they were like boffo. They were like blow you out of the park. And they were done all the way. And they were certainly very ambitious in their execution. Um, I just mean that she was sort of – I mean, her songs were basically love songs, right? Like, uh, I mean, I was struck by that. I was struck by the fact that if you look at the display, first of all, it was all women on stage. I don't know if that's ever happened at a Super Bowl halftime show before. Hmm. That it was, and like they literally, they went to lengths to make sure everyone on there was a woman, right? Um, you know, and then like the the way the the outfits were crafted was very specific, and the way there was some gender bending going on, but there was also some camp, right? And then some very feminine camp, and then you have the reflections of Beyonce. Are they real people? Are they images of Beyonce? Are they actual Beyonce? We don't know what is Beyonce. What she represents, right? Like, and all this stuff is happening all at the same time. But it struck me while all this is happening that she's still singing a song about how like she wants to get with this guy, right? Like, oh, this guy, I want this guy to like me. Um, which to me, I don't want to bash that. That's awesome. That's a very specific and proud tradition in art. But I think it's not what Prince tends to do. Uh, Prince tends to be a little bit more, you know, mysterious and a little bit more complex about the way that he regards sexuality. <laughs> so, so there's that additional, like, like you couldn't do a Beyonce Devil schlong really, although they had the sparky guitar. But it's like it's just a bridge too far for her. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that it's not 
good. It's great. It's she's great. Yeah, uh, sure. I was just well, I mean, it, a I, way of, of articulating the difference. The, ver- the version of that, right? That was this sort of yonic kaleidoscope of writhing Beyonces on the floor. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a title was the? Uh, <laughs> you know, was um, right? Was the the devil schlong moment? Right, right, right. Although I think one thing that was really great about this halftime show, it was wonderfully photographed. I felt like the sh- the way it was shot was was great. Yeah, uh, it was a halftime show that happened in the camera a lot more than most of the Super Bowl halftime shows in recent years. Yes. I think have happened. Uh, I mean, uh, excepting of course, you know, the wonderful or noting the wonderful exception of Bruce Springsteen sliding yeah, his spot directly say. into the camera. I mean, you could talk about that one for a little bit <laughs> if you want. Uh, no, let's keep going with Beyonce. Oh. Beyonce's, that, that, the, Beyonce's halftime show is far more interesting than, than, than Springsteen's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like that they're one of the big – I think one of the big movements in the zeitgeist right now is a movement that is backed by rich and powerful women to put themselves forward as something that other women benefit from supporting, right? Like it's like you benefit when Beyonce makes more money. Right. Uh, and I'm not saying this is sinister. I mean, uh, necessarily it's complex. And and there's the idea of like, well, you can't really you're not really going to have parity in professional situations until there's parity at the top. And I feel like people are really yeah. working the parity on the parity at the top right now. Yeah, like, well, here's another Hillary Clinton. Right. You benefit when Hillary Clinton gets more powerful and it becomes gains more prestige and respect as secretary of state as she did in her four years. Right, 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 which is a technique that, you know, certainly, you know, white guys have used forever, right? Where it's like, you know, when Caesar wins, you win, you know, when, when <laughs> you know, like, it's like, because he's a man of the people, right? And it's like, um, and it's sort of a, it's a very Republican way of looking at it, right? In the sense of like, a Republican with a little R, um, in the sense of like, it's about representation. Right. And it's almost, it's also kind of aristocratic in that sense, too. It's like old, old school Republican, like having an elector who stands up for you and your interests. But I felt like that the, a lot of Beyonce's work, when it's about gender is about her own power among women and how it kind of mutually benefits women and, and, uh, and how there's kind of like a, there's a bit of an, not an aristocracy, but there's definitely a, a primacy of her that is, that is good for everybody. Like who run the world girls is also kind of who run the world me. Yeah. I was about to say. Yeah. 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 And so I feel like that show, this show was kind of about that. There are a bunch of women who are dressed like Beyonce and so it's like, oh, they get to be up on the on the stage too, and they're empowered by Beyonce's presence. But are they Beyonce? At the end of the day, they go home. Well, uh, and like, mean, the, the, yeah. uh, the, like this, I think that one of the things that this show posited was that the power of Beyonce is the sort of the power to project yourself into kind of many places at once. You know what I mean? Is the power of like the 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 artist in the age of mechanical reproduction or digital reproduction? Even you know, is yeah. is the power to sort of as an extension of your own. Uh, what is an extension of your own agency to kind of project these versions of yourself, uh, these multiples of yourself out into the world. And it's kind of a, like a, a, a force multiplier of personality somehow. So she was being retweeted is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> like, those were all Beyonce tweets of people like who were taking on her identity briefly by assuming her language. Um, her body language and her phys- and her verbal language and her pitch language. And yeah, I, you know, I haven't actually thought about retweeting that way as a kind of as a kind of ventriloquism, right? But like the the, um, it's not that I'm stealing. It's not that I'm stealing Beyonce's words when I retweet Beyonce. Uh, it's it's that Beyonce is speaking through me. You know, that yep. is, I'm I'm becoming part of the apparatus of Beyonce's fame and uh, you know media attention. Yeah, I really love on holidays just like retweeting 
famous people saying happy holidays. <laughs> um, I just feel like it's so interesting. Just be like, ter- like Terry Crews tweets happy new year. And I just like retweet Terry Crews saying happy new year. I just feel like that's such an interesting thing to do. Although my favorite, my absolute favorite was on new year's Eve when I retweeted Jonathan Frakes saying, be careful. The amateurs are out tonight. Right when with, in regards to like drunk drivers, right, absolutely. <laughs> Just the idea that like Jonathan Frakes is kind of standing over the table and he's at a couple and he's staying where he is, but you're driving home and he's like, "Careful, the amateurs are out tonight." And the idea that I could like put that mask on and be Jonathan Frakes, telling you to watch out for drunk drivers, was just a really alluring piece of performance. <laughs> so um, along those lines, my moment for that while tweeting live tweeting the Super Bowl was. Um, you know, for some reason we have Ludacris. We were following Ludacris from the overthinking it. Oh, are you kidding? Ludacris' Twitter is awesome. I love Ludacris. I put him up there. So um, shortly after the Fast Six uh, uh, trailer commercial aired, um, he tweets, uh, "LOL." Dot dot dot. I told you it would be epic. Hashtag Fast Six. I retweeted the crap out of that. Yeah. <laughs> that was really me. You know, Ludacris being a force multiplier for me. Yeah. Favorite tweets from last year was a ludicrous tweet during the shooting of Fast Six because he had to fly from London to Ghana and then back. Uh, I might have even mentioned on the podcast, but there was a great picture he took. Like it's like, hey, I'm in a plane flying from Ghana to London, and he took a picture and it was like his feet up on the chair in front of him and nobody else on the plane. Right, <laughs> it's just him by himself. And you're like, hey, isn't this awesome? I love shooting Fast. Furious 6. Uh, and it's like, hey, there was something childlike about it because, you know, it's like the idea of like just being in a private plane where nothing is happening. It's just <laughs> like you're just being transported, kind of like an asset. Um, I don't know. That was kind of a fun moment. Sure. And I think his shoes were virtual, uh, which actually actually added to the enjoyment factor. Yeah. But uh, no, I like Ludacris's Twitter feed. I identify with him personally. We have very similar lives. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. But yeah, I am. So, uh, I wish uh, I could come to the sixth of something. All right. So uh, let's go to let's let's go to Twitter. Actually, I put out the call at the beginning of the podcast for anyone who wanted to um, uh, tweet us about what they thought of the ads and the uh, and the the game. Rich, uh, oh, let's see. I'm let's I'm going to read Earth Dog at Earth Dog, uh, whose name is Rich Thomas. Um, let's see. I have sometimes I have uh, Twitter handles. Sometimes I have real names. Tonight I have real names. Rich Thomas. What do you think of the 49ers failure to have more timeouts at the end of the game? <laughs> well, at Earth Dog, that's not really our area of expertise. So we're we're going to to punt. On. We're going to take the we're going to take the safety. On well, that. I mean, what do you mean? you mean? Like that they just didn't do good clock management? I, I can't or, speak for Earth Dog. Or, or <laughs> why didn't they bend the rules of space and time, perhaps to create? Uh, new timeouts from once they did not exist. I mean, I think is a better question to ask. Their play calling at the end was really bad. Play calling and clock management was pretty bad. And I don't, I mean, they had to call that, he had to call that timeout because they didn't snap the ball. You know, there's a delay of game penalty. Remember? Remember, like the, the Story Niners coach had to call a timeout because they were going to get a delay of ba- game penalty for snapping the ball too late. And that's what you get when you have a rookie quarterback, right? Sometimes that kind of thing happens. Mm-hmm. You can't afford to make the kind of mistake and just lose a, lose a timeout. It was literally a rookie mistake. Yeah, there pretty much. Go. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, so B, I got an idea. Let's keep uh, offering our commentary on the game and then do it for another 30 minutes way past we should to, yeah. fill, to fill dead space during, sure. during, during a power outage because that made for awesome TV. It was yeah. scintillating. I was just hanging on to every word coming out of the announcers. Everyone turned it down to Abby because it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> 
because he was. And I, I, I tweeted that I thought that there was a Maggie Smith-shaped shadow that was slinking away from the generators. That <laughs> was like trying to get everyone to watch Downton Abbey. Which yeah, no, they, they'd send they'd send Bates to do something like that because he's <laughs> he's shady. You know, you know, he's got muscle. He can be muscle when he when he's got to be. Um, going on, uh, uh, going on, Chris Morgan. Um, Two questions. Which will go better, an outdoor Super Bowl in New York next year or the uh, 2022 World Cup in Qatar? Chris Morgan. Yeah. Chris Morgan also asks, uh, what do you think Baltimore winning the Super Bowl means for the characters from The Wire? (laughs) <laughs> well, to answer the first question, I'm outdoor Super Bowls are sketchy and have, could have potentially have problems. The new field is nice. Like the new stadium is really nice. That's where they're having it, right? Is that what is that? Yeah, the new uh, New York Giants slash New York Jets stadium in New Jersey. Yeah, but you saw the kind of problems they had with power failures. Although the real problem with the power failure was that the telex machines went down that were communicating the plays on the San Francisco side so that they couldn't use their apparatus for play calling. That was what was holding it up, not the lights. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that could be a problem. I mean, I bet you that, that Qatar will have things on lockdown. I mean, they're pretty good at the Middle East, in the Middle East of separating the people that give the money from the people who do slave labor, right? So like, so then the people who go to see the World Cup will be fine. And the slave laborers who live there, maybe not so much. I mean, I don't want to say they're slaves necessarily, but like there's a lot of, you know, migrant labor in the Middle East that comes over from India and from Africa. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily get treated all that great. Yeah, come and on, Pete. So- there's, there's a difference between slavery and wage slavery. There is, although I'm not entirely sure which of which is happening in some of the places in the Arabian Peninsula. And Qatar is small, and I'm not sure exactly what Qatar is doing, and I don't want to impugn them in some of the worst abuses of other regimes in the in the region. Um, I, but, you know, they own Al Jazeera, so you're not going to hear anything on Al Jazeera that's bad about them. Um, but, but, yeah, anyway, I would say that uh, my bet is that the that – Qatar will have the World Cup on lockdown and that you will not see too many bad things happening um, and and that the New York uh, Super Bowl could have minor bad things happen that seem a lot worse than the things that are hidden that are happening behind the scenes in Qatar. So yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Uh, I was not aware that the World Cup is going to be in Qatar uh, in, in the year 2022. Yeah. Uh, that seems to be – that seems like quite an accomplishment for Qatar to have the, uh, the World Cup. Um, oh, it's, in 2022? It's in 2022? Uh, according to this tweet, yes. Jeez, um, unless, it, unless Chris Morgan is messing with us, which is yeah. totally possible. But, um, you know, uh, the rule of improv is just say yes and keep rolling with things, right? So yeah. uh, Qatarian World Cup, uh, I predict, will be a smashing success. Uh, outdoor Super Bowl in New York will be snowacaned out. Yeah. Okay. I think the, the, you heard it here. The real risk of the World Cup in Qatar is if a lot of people stay in Bahrain, which is all, which is a very nice place. But if they stay in Bahrain, you don't want to go across that bridge, right? Like you don't want to go onto the mainland because things change rapidly and you get yourself in trouble. So if there's a bunch of tourists who end up wandering, you know, across across the Persian Gulf, that little stretch of the Persian Gulf that connects Bahrain to the mainland because it's so much smaller, they could get in some trouble. But Qatar is large enough that they probably aren't going to have a problem. It's probably going to be around Doha too, which is not near the border. So just be careful out there, kids. <laughs> the, 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 am, the amateurs will be out. <laughs> yeah, the amateurs will be out. Jonathan Frakes will still be around to, 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 to caution you from staying away from Kobar. Oh, God, Pete. Like that, that like little intimation of the mortality of Jonathan Frakes just made me awfully sad for, a, for some reason. I don't want to think about a world living in a world without Jonathan Frakes in it. His pattern is stored in the transporter, so we can restore him using a pattern. In- <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh, that, that someday our patterns, too, can be stored in the yeah. transporter beam. Exactly. Uh, Isn't that we're all going to get merged with animals and have a retro evolution episode. <laughs> uh, Bruce Wayne Brady on Twitter, uh, Anthony, says... Um, Hey, overthinking it. Did anyone get an Ocean's Eleven bank heist feeling when the lights went out? And we oh. actually we retweeted uh, in our feed a, a tweet from uh, Eric Frieden, uh, who you can follow. You can find him in our Twitter feed. Who uh, who actually said that very thing that uh, Danny Ocean was was uh, breaking into a vault somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things I love about live tweeting experience, live events on Twitter is uh, that communal feeling you get when like you and uh, a hundred thousand other people around the world make the same joke at once. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it like, does. Ah, my humor is validated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like so many people were like, Ray Lewis is murdering people with the lights out. Hardy, har, har. Oh, jeez. But yeah, yeah. And I, I like that the Onion Twitter Twitter went all out and was like, the lights come back on and all fifty three forty nine er players are dead and Ray Lewis is missing. He <laughs> 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 um, they at least went all out with the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they take it and, and take it and run with it. Yeah, take yeah. the ball and run with it as it was done. In the game. That's correct. Uh, Kat, who is uh, Aradia18 on Twitter, uh, says, um, ratio of game time versus advertisements replays. And there's a short link to a YouTube video, which I can't watch now, uh, but it's something about nerds and football. Why doesn't football dominate the conversation? This is a little hard to follow. It's a little hard to parse, uh, Kat. Um, ratio of game time versus advertisements slash replays. Why doesn't football I, dominate the conversation? Well, I mean, just without being able to see the YouTube video that that's being linked there, I think what's probably about is that you know during the what five or some odd hours that uh, let's say four hours that a typical NFL game is broadcast, like the amount of time in which the ball is actually in play constitutes a very small portion of that. Sure, right? It's, it's relative, not just you know uh, actually you four know, quarters, an absolute ballot, right? but. But relative to uh, probably to other sporting events, too, where the ball's constantly in motion, you know, the game is sort of always on. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, it's an occasion. I mean, what the biggest thing that happens at the Super Bowl is probably all the food that people buy, right? Like, in the big parties that they have where everybody eats all the food. It's like a major, it's like a major day for avocados, right? Because there's, like, <laughs> a bazillion, there's, like, enough guacamole made to, like, fill the red spot of Jupiter several times over every Super Bowl Sunday or something like that. But think about all the chicken wings that are consumed on, on Super Bowl Sunday, right? Like, you know, there's got to be this uh, surplus of rest of chicken body parts that aren't the wings, that the market must absorb. Yeah, that's a good point. Although in this year it was tough because feed prices were higher because of the drought in the Midwest. So the price of chicken wings was high. Remember there was that, that heist where $64,000 of chicken wings were stolen uh, from by those people and then they got caught, I think. Right. Wait, I, actually, I actually hear that drug dealers have stopped using Tide and started using chicken wings to pay for <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, for drug exactly. deals. All right, turning over to. Oh wait, no, sorry. One more on Twitter, uh, and I think we'll have. I think we will have everything. Uh, Sam, who is Sam KD on Twitter. Uh, when I ask for any questions, Sam says, "Why?" Apparently, a Forty ers fan uh, there. And I think that's all the ones. Uh, that's all the ones. For, that? Sorry. Are we going to answer it? Oh, well, go, go ahead. I try to stay away <laughs> from the sports. I'm, I'm told. Oh, um, Sam, I think it's because Baltimore scored more points than the 49ers. More, offensive, more offensive points. 
I was going to say that because the head officiant was inexperienced. Now, I was rooting for the Ravens, but the head, the head officiant was relatively inexperienced. That was a bit of a controversy. Because of that and because of other factors and the risk of the game devolving into violence if it, if it went that way, <laughs> they were very, very light on penalty calling in this game. I mean, I think anybody, anybody who was watching the game could know there were tons of penalties that could have been called that weren't called throughout the game. And it, it did, unfortunately, get in the way of that last drive by San Francisco, right, when that guy was clearly holding and he, you know, he was clearly holding. And, uh, and yeah, and then they just didn't call it. But it's like it's not like they were calling that for the whole game. They, they almost never called anything. Uh, and, and I think that they were doing it to sort of let the kids play and to not let the game devolve into penalties because the people were being rough with each other. There was that giant fight, and they didn't even penalize the people in it more than just like the regular penalty. That guy should have been thrown out. He pushed a ref, right? But they didn't. They erred on the side of not calling things. And I think that that was one of the big answers to the question, why? How did the game turn out the way that it did? Uh, because the officials decided to take a light hand with it, and that's kind of how certain things broke. Cool. Yeah. Uh, all right, Dan Chapman uh, chimes in on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash overthinking it with a comment. I don't like it when Oprah t- tries to manipulate me and the farmers succeed. Yeah. <laughs> Just to clarify, Oprah narrated the Jeep commercial. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Uh, so he's saying that the farmers moved him, that he has actually manipulated. He's going to buy a Dodge Ram truck. I know, Dan. I don't think he's going to buy a Dodge Ram truck, but uh, I, I understand the emotional manipulation. Boycott Dan, Dodge way, Ram, for- boycott Jeep, boycott Audi. In fact, I think Toyota is after this uh, – boycott Kia for the Hobots commercial. <laughs> I think Toyota is the only um, – uh, I think Toyota is the only brand of car you can uh, safely buy. Fun fact about Dan, uh, he was, for overthinking of podcast listeners, he was the guy who was in the theater with me when I saw Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. <laughs> awesome. So he has been, he's stood by us so, <laughs> in the dark times. Uh, Arden uh, writes in, is Beyonce a modern day manifestation of Nietzsche's Ubermensch? No. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you want to explain, first of all, the Ubermensch isn't an actual person. It's an abstract idea, right? <laughs> but I guess when she's saying a manifestation, she's covering her base with that. The deal with the Ubermensch is that the Ubermensch is a morally superior being, right? Like that by nature, the Ubermensch can do what – that the idea is that people might, either by their nature or their involvement with morals – and I may be way off on this, but my general sense is because of their relationship with morals, uh, certain people feel like there ought to be a reason and that ought might be justified that they follow rules, and the Ubermensch uh, it, it, uh, transcends this level of moral obligation to the point where they, you know, quote unquote, make their own rules uh, or whatever. You know, like I don't think Beyonce does that. I think Beyonce is very conscious of the rules that she's working within. And I, I believe that the Ubermensch doesn't really politic in the same way that Beyonce politics uh-huh. uh, in the sense that Beyonce like understands the structure she's operating within. You know, certainly the way that she managed the relationship with the other members of Destiny's Child, right? Sort of dismissing them in a way that was both very kind and also like very authoritative. <laughs> um, like, see ya, you know, like that sort of thing. Shows that she's not the Ubermensch because, you, because Ubermensch wouldn't worry about the rules of courtesy in terms of getting rid of, uh, of what's her name? Michelle. I forget her name. Wait, Pete, are you saying that it's less than us Destiny's Child and Beyonce is now what? Destiny's parent? Well, her, her mom was always Destiny's parent, I think. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much. I think that was the, the relationship. I just want to I want to add uh, one little thing from the fact-checking department. I clicked through to Arden's Facebook page, and Arden is, in fact, a dude. 
Oh, okay. Oh, sure. Of course. So there you. So there you go, Arden. Sorry, we uh, didn't mean to call you she. It was, uh, you know, it was a fifty-fifty call. Thinking on our part, we thought ladies might like this podcast. So. <laughs> um, Why yeah. the dudes? Definitely. So. There's only yeah no. There's only one lady who uh, who put in a comment on the overthinking page. It's Gab. So let's go to Gab. Uh, if it's awesome. not too late, thoughts on the VW commercial with the fake Jamaican accents? Well, we we said a little bit what we uh, you know what we think about that. I mean, is it there? There is a, a very strange um, there is a very strange kind of mixing of the the nationalities between American and German and uh, Jamaican there, right? Yeah, particularly yeah, because Jamaica is a, was a British colony, right? Not even a, not a German colony. Maybe that's wishful thinking on behalf of the Germans, but it also kind of shows that the connection between uh, automobiles, especially this year, the connection between automobiles and the countries they came from was was pretty loose. I mean, like Jeep, you know, and and Dodge tried to win it. But I don't feel like they really did, and I didn't really feel like it was in play. Like I didn't really feel like there were other car companies where, like, this isn't an American car. Yeah, so it wasn't like like last year where it's like Chrysler imported from Detroit, right? Where it's this. Yeah, there's it's, a, try to do that, but yeah, yeah, there's a real sense of kind of terroir, right? To the uh, you know to the car manufacturing. In fact, like just for sort of for fun loving and kind of Americana and sort of what beautiful vistas. Uh, Toyota kind of won won that one with with some of the more traditional car commercials of like you know cars driving on pretty roads fast and like making tight turns and you know sunsets in the background. Yeah, I mean I do think that Mercedes wins for having Willem Dafoe, but they lose for having their name on the name of the stadium. The lights didn't work, on. <laughs> so they kind of have a wash at the end of the day. Mike Gelba asks, is sports the last frontier for things on television that you have to watch live? He hyphenated all of that. Uh, appointment viewing. Uh, is- yes, the answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that- we were talking briefly before this podcast started about the experience of watching House of Cards, which just recently de- debuted this weekend on Netflix. All, all 13 of those episodes came out at once. So a lot of us on this podcast, I think, like consumed three, four, upwards of maybe even five uh, episodes of that uh, of that show in, in one weekend, which is the total opposite of appointment viewing and yeah. is absolutely the future. Twelve. And I would, I would say even more than sports, the NFL in particular in America, at least like I believe I believe reading I read recently that I think 55 percent of the most watched programs uh, you know, of, of like within some sort of arbitrary countdown, uh, were NFL games this year on television. Like sure. the NFL owns TV, yeah. basically. It's the most watched show. Um, um, the right well, one, one, the, yeah, one last quick comment on appointment viewing. Um, I saw the 30 Rock series finale this week live. That was appointment viewing for me. Um, and that might be the only time I've seen 30 Rock live on television. I think the rest of it I watch entirely on Hulu. Sure. Mm-hmm. The uh, oh thirteen, not not twelve. I watched all thirteen episodes. God, I have these off by one. I'm off by one tonight in everything. I, and it was interesting. The the uh, when I read an interview with the one of the Downton Abbey producers about the fact that they were still showing a new episode of Downton Abbey against the and you can still catch our episode commentary. We're still launching it. We still did it. Uh, we still seen it. Uh, we won't tell you how. But um, but uh, that why are you airing Downton Abbey against the Super Bowl, right? Because other shows have canceled their new episodes for the week, and and they said, well, we don't think that Downton Abbey's audience is the same. That's not really a strong argument. A lot of them are probably the same. A lot of people watch the Super Bowl, um, and, and then it's like, well, we also think that uh, that that uh, that. Uh, people who do watch it are going to miss it. That's kind of legitimate. Like if there are people who watch PBS Masterpiece Theater regularly, they might be really sad if it's not on, <laughs> and they and they might like not 
buy a tote bag from PBS because of that. Um, like, there's the people you need to make happy. And the third one was there were so many other ways for people to watch Downton Abbey. We're not even really all that concerned as to whether or not they can watch the first airing of it. We replay it all week. We replay it after the game. It's available for download the next day. Like, for somebody to come out and actually say that, like, we don't really care whether you watch our show. <laughs> like, at the time that we've put it on. Right. You know, time slot doesn't really matter. Um, that's kind of a big step. I well, think. yeah, but that's, I mean, it's, it's sort of subscriber supported. It's non, it's non-commercial yeah. supported television. So it belongs to these, it belongs to these sort of alternative funding models like HBO and like Netflix, um, that are sort of subscriber supported. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that kind of support is often such a huge liability and competitiveness, you know, to have it sort of be on equal footing as novel as well. Right. Uh, Howard, you thoughts on Beyonce doing the whole halftime show with only female performers. Well, we talked about that a little bit, Howard. Um, so, uh, I hope we address that question enough. Brian Conway, why does culture as a whole seem to deliberately seek out and watch commercials for only one television program every year? That's a fair question. Mm. I mean, I think because there's so much theater around, uh, how much they cost. You know, and how much they, you know, what they, um, the the whole drama of getting them on. Oh, I thought he was asking why these major sporting events only advertise one television show the entire time that you're watching them. Like, his father is the district attorney, like that whole phenomenon. No, they mean like why we all watch the Super Bowl for the ads. Is that the question? Yes. Or why, why is it, why aren't there other shows that we watch for the ads? Oh, well, it goes back to what we're talking about with the, the strength of the appointment viewing, right? Yeah. I mean, like this is like all the eyeballs are on this. Uh, the stakes are really high, and there's a little bit of a sense of competitiveness, right, between the different, uh, you know, huge corporate players that can afford Super Bowl ads, right? There's a com- competition to see who can uh, entertain slash shock us the most. Yeah, I think the other thing is that a failure of a Super Bowl ad during the Super Bowl is still kind of a success. Right, like because we, the winners, the winners get all this leverage. Like we didn't talk about the Oreo coup, right? Where the Oreo got their picture out on Twitter about the blackout, like within minutes, because all of their executives mm. were in the same room with the agency, and they were able to approve it very fast. That image where it's like you can still dunk in the dark, right? Um, so, like you know, there's that you get a certain if you get to be the one who wins, then everybody talks about you, and you have this huge multiplier effect to your your impressions. But if you're one of the people who loses, say you're like. Gosh, like the T-shirt company. I don't even remember what the T-shirt company was called. Um, but the T-shirt company with the lady in the T-shirt, the guy woke up and he had a blacked out. He didn't remember he was with this lady. They still got their product in front of like, you know, tens of millions of people, right? Like, so say that you bet on showing it during like, you know, an episode of Game of, not Game of Thrones doesn't have commercials. Why did I pick that one show? An episode of say, uh, even if it's something like How I Met Your Mother, right? Like if you lose and you're on How I Met Your Mother, you didn't really make all that much benefit that you couldn't get from doing like online ads or something else. Like the audience, even for very popular television shows, is just not that big anymore. Right. Right. Like, um, and I mean, the way that it used to be is that, you know, the thing that used to be notable about Super Bowl ads is that they were new and the ads that ran on every other channel would repeat all the time. Right. And it would be, oh, these are new ads. These are new, exciting ads. And then the Super Bowl ads would repeat. Right. This would be like a sort of turnover time for them. It would be a good timing to do that sort of thing. But now I feel like we see new ads all the time anyway. And it's just these are the ones that people care about because they make a lot of impressions. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. That's my take. And you can also dunk in the dark. You can eat Oreos in the dark by yourself if you want. Don't recommend it. (laughs) I've done it. It's not a great thing. It's not not as cool as it sounds, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the, the, the worst seasoning on your Oreos is your own tears. 
Exactly. Uh, Stephen Popplestone, do people enjoy the events of the Super Bowl through social media uh, conventions more than during the actual show? Uh, Maybe it means conversations through social media conversations more than uh, during the actual show. Well, yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely one of the, uh, I mean, one of the fun things about this is to, you know, log on and see what Pete and Mark are writing about it on, on our Twitter feed. Yeah, sure. I think that people enjoy the social media a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. I think the, a lot of television, the reason that television hasn't died is because of stuff like this. And this is a model I still think it bears repeating. Like there was this perception that people were going to stop watching television when they started getting content on all their other devices, and they're just not doing it. That's not the behavior people people are seeing. The behavior people are seeing is you have the TV on and you have the phone in front of you, and you're interacting with the phone while you're watching the TV. Right. And that's like like basically you know we've turned every television show into a Wii U, right? Like whatever, where you have like, although of course it predates the Wii U, like the Oscars is like this too. Even the the presidential debates were like this, where the real debate was happening in social media around the debate. And by debate, I mean, you know, performance art, because that's, it's not a debate. Let's, we can even stop calling them debates at this point. They're like preening contests. But at any rate, it's like, you know, the, the, the real, the real entertainment is, is the social. And then this is almost like a matte painting that lies behind it. Right, um, something like that. Oh, just a, this is just a, I mean, before we, uh, at, so we're not risking you know, overstating the uh, importance and influence of social media. Like I'm thinking about my Super Bowl party. I'm pretty sure I was the only person who was tweeting during it. I don't know That's, what your yeah. experience was for others people. This was a Super Bowl that we watched because the game was very exciting. Um, definitely, there were maybe like three people at my party of twenty people who were tweeting. So the people, but the thing is, if you're on Twitter, you think everyone's tweeting. <laughs> you look at and that's one of the big phenomena in our culture is you think you look around you and you see people who are like you and you assume everyone is like that. And they're really not. Um, right. So yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, if you have a phone, everything looks like a tweet. <laughs> exactly. Joe Miller. Why were there two commercials dealing with astronauts during the Super Bowl? I mean, there was one with an astronaut. There was another one where the RAV4 went to space. Uh, but also space babies. Oh, space babies. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Gosh, I mean, maybe because the man, the American manned space program is in this transitional period, and there aren't astronauts as much right now. I mean, there still are, but the space shuttle and everything. The, the retirement of the space shuttles and the nostalgia for our yeah. era of manned space flight. Sure. The death of Neil Armstrong being a factor. Yeah, it, it's but. also, I mean, like space is a in in a set of commercials that Pete has said, and you know now now it's true because he said, and he is the great narrativizer of Super Bowl commercials. But um, that it's if it's about wish fulfillment, I mean, space is kind of a trope of the ultimate, you know, the ultimate wish, a kind of stratospheric fulfillment of a stratospheric wish, like it, of being the kind of ultimate, like it couldn't you couldn't wish uh, you couldn't wish higher than that yeah. and so right like the, what you wanted to be when you grow up grew up it has happened you know it has occurred you are an astronaut just yeah. a quick quick aside along these lines um i recently learned that the the second sequel to the machete movie after machete kills will be machete in space so you can get excited for that now nice yeah. best in space movie since leprechaun yeah <laughs> uh and finally um uh, David Falcon says uh, uh, Flacco's profanity on broadcast television just as the confetti is falling. I yeah, m- he dropped the F-bomb. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. I missed that because we were uh, rushing back to uh, to podcast. Well, it's better than dropping the football, right? Like, 
As long if you can hold on to the football and drop the f bomb, I'm willing to I'm willing to deal with it. Right. Yeah. If it's a choice, uh, you know, if you can, <laughs> you have limited space in your arms and you can only hold the f bomb or the football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. That was fun. We don't uh, we don't do the listener feedback nearly often enough. I, I hope that um, you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, listeners, you can join the conversation because it will continue. You can email us at podcastoverthinking.com dot com or call two zero three two eight five six four zero one. Call or text two zero three two eight five six four zero one, or you can join us in the comments on the show notes. Uh, we'll be back next week with another Overthinking It podcast. Special thanks to Mark and Pete for staying up uh, well past midnight. Where both of them have to, you know, go to work tomorrow because um, uh, because they're employed and uh, drive their Volkswagen to work and end up talking with Jamaican accents. Uh, <laughs> no, neither for of us, have, Matthew. <laughs> neither of us have cars. <laughs> we both live in cities and ride the subway. Mm-hmm. But yes, exactly. We have public transit. Uh, here at the bleeding edge of America, we don't have public transit because uh, apparently it's not forward thinking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll be back next week uh, with the same great overthinking. Till then, visit us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com, where you subject the popular culture and we subject the popular culture. <laughs> Goodness, it's late. To a level of scrutiny, it, it probably. probably- doesn't Guys, I don't think we actually answered the question about uh, what Baltimore's win meant to the characters of The Wire. You know, the, the 49er fan is walking down the street, right? And he comes across a person wearing a Ravens jersey. And that person wearing the Ravens jersey turns to him and looks at him, and the 49er fan's wearing a 49er jersey, and the Raven fan says, you want it to be one way. You want it to be one way. But it's the other way. <laughs>